Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Royal Islands Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. We got a special bonus edition of the pod uh, this week. We figured it would be good to talk to one of our pals from over at our sister site, 11 Warriors. So we went out and got our pal Kevin Harris. Kevin, what's going on, man? Pretty good. Can't complain, Bill. It's uh, been a good season. It, it has certainly been quite the season uh, for Ohio State, uh, as y'all heard on the regular edition of the pod. Uh Nick and I think that this is going to be a game that the Buckeyes end up winning. Uh, Kevin might be a little bit more on my side of things than where I think Nick uh, is as we head into this one. And Kevin, before we get into the game itself, I want to just talk about Ohio State in a little bit more of a big picture because they are a really fascinating team this year. As we entered this season, the first one in the post uh Urban Meyer era, the first one in the Ryan Day era. What was the sense among Ohio State fans about what this team was capable of accomplishing? Yeah, I think it's it kind of varies from fan to fan. I mean, I uh, obviously am in the trenches day by day on an Ohio State uh, message board, but um, it's it was kind of it kind of varied fan by fan. Um, you know, I, I think the consensus was this team was very, very talented and that they had absurd expectations for Ryan Day. But then there were also the people that were like, oh, pump the brakes. You know, this is a first time head coach, a first year starter at quarterback. So it was a really weird vibe. I think a lot of people felt disrespected. Um, a lot of Ohio State fans felt disrespected by um, like preseason metrics and stuff because the returning production was either not there or pretty bad from last year. So I, I think there was a lot of confidence and a lot of sense of like, hey, we see this could potentially be, um, you know, a, a, probably the best team in the nation. But you've got like, you know, metrics that are ranking Ohio State like 13th in the country and stuff like that. So there was a lot of like anger, of course. Why would a college football fan be angry? Um, no. <laughs> But there, there was a lot of uh, a lot of that um, where they kind of felt disrespected before. Um, but I think there was a healthy sense of like, okay, this also is Ryan Day's first season, and um, Justin Fields is. Um, I don't know. I, I think there was legitimately a lot of concern at the quarterback position from a lot of people um, because Justin Fields played, uh, didn't have a spectacular spring game, and um, there were really no other options besides that. And so I think there was a lot of like some skepticism about how the uh, quarterback play would go. But um, I think that's been answered pretty well, too. Yeah, it turns out the guy who in high school was called a six foot three Russell Wilson is pretty good at playing quarterback. Yeah, I I guess my 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 question was coming into the year. How much of it was basically those two concerns about day as a full time head coach, despite the fact that he did really well filling in for Urban Meyer and Justin Fields being the first-time starter, and how much of it was, I think everyone would agree, last year Ohio State didn't quite play up to the level of talent that it had. Yeah, I, I think that's that's totally fair. Um, and I think that was, I, I think in a large part, and this is an extremely college football fan thing to do too, most Buckeye fans were just kind of drinking the Kool-Aid of the uh, – of the new coaching staff and stuff too. And just assuming it would be good. Like Jeff Halfley is an extremely impressive talker. Um, you know, that they just kind of bought into the idea that, um, Ohio state's going to simplify its defense and allow these great players to kind of just make plays. 
Um, so that was kind of the narrative of the entire offseason was that Ohio State was going to play a simpler version of its defense and let these great players kind of excel um, because it is pretty evident that the team is talented. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there was that healthy skepticism. Um, I think it was a little there was a little more optimism. I think that was the skepticism from um, the outside, I guess. I guess from the inside, everybody kind of saw um, the incoming head coach or the incoming uh, defensive coordinators. They saw guys like Jeff Halfley. They saw Greg Madison. They saw Al Washington. Uh, they saw that Ryan Day was making wholesale changes on the defensive end because um, that was really where the problems were. But they saw those things and they thought, okay, like the scheme is going to be drastically different. The coaching is going to be drastically different. And we think we have the players. So I think that sort of skepticism was more on the outside because and, – and it's merited skepticism for sure. Like Ohio State was so atrocious on defense last year that you can't expect them to be um, – reasonably expect them to flip the switch and automatically become like the best defense in the country. But that's kind of quite literally what's happened. So can you give me just kind of the cliff nose version of what was up with the defense last year uh, and where, where it has – thrive now that uh, Greg Schiano and his staff are out and there's this new group in? Yeah, I think there were there were two major things. Um, the first is uh, the scheme was really complicated in the sense that they were trying to develop a new game plan every week um, tailored to each team instead of basically having a simple, um, and I mean, every team does that to a point, but instead of having like a simple base thing that they just do different things out of. Um, that's kind of the, the Cliff Notes version. Um, every They kind of just developed a new playbook, a new defensive playbook, and new roles and new assignments for every single opponent, which is something that you do in the NFL um, when you've got professionals that have their full-time job that they get paid millions of dollars to do is to know those things. So it didn't really quite work that well, uh, especially with kind of the players that they had. Um, and they got exposed a lot because their players weren't... Um, didn't seem to know their assignments. And you saw that kind of in back-to-back years. Uh, I think that the tipping point for me wasn't even Purdue last year. That one, um, it was it was the year before with Iowa when Iowa was doing very normal things that Iowa was done for forever and they just shellacked Ohio State. Um, and I think a lot of that is due to just not a simplified scheme when you've got a linebackers coach that's used to coaching NFL linebackers and uh, Shiano is used to coaching NFL corners and uh, safeties and stuff. And getting to that, Shiano also was very, very, very um, staunch and uh, not very flexible on Ohio State playing press man coverage. And when your system is that, it has to be perfect. And I think Ohio State was able to get by for a long time playing that press man coverage. But when you look at the players that Ohio State did that with, it was guys like Gary and Conley, Marshawn Lattimore, Eli Apple, um, Bradley Roby with like a guy like Malik Hooker, Von Bell um, is a safety. And that really doesn't, that doesn't work as well um, when you've got guys that are probably still NFL talent, but they weren't really ready. Um, they weren't the same caliber of player at the time. I think Jeff Akuda definitely is that sort of guy. I think Sean Wade is that guy, but they were young um, for the past two seasons, and you had guys that weren't necessarily the exact same caliber as uh, your, um, you know, your Marshawn Lattimore's or your Gary and Conley's guys that are uh, first-round talent. So 
Um, I think Ohio State was able to get exposed, and I think they were able to be game planned for it on that press man area. Um, and I think that the linebackers specifically um, was not or had a very kind of too specific scheme. And so the new coaches have been able to come in and install a little zone, um, you know, tailor really tailor the defense to what Ohio State or tailor the defense to what college football teams are really trying to do these days with the RPOs and, um, you know, attacking the middle of the field and getting athletes in space. Really, Ohio State's defense is now tailored to stop that um, instead of Ohio State kind of had a mentality that they were going to be the tone setters on defense and not um, allow the offense to dictate what they did but they were going to try to dictate what the offenses did and that didn't really work so now you've kind of got a scheme that's in there that's um really reactive and um designed to control a college football game well when you put it all that way i don't know why rutgers wouldn't want to hire greg shiano so (laughs) i mean he, he seems like a home run just an inflexible guy who doesn't adjust to the talent that he has that's right that that's perfect uh i i want to get in just Kind of one more broad thing before we get into this season and eventually this game. And that is that when you lose a coach like an Urban Meyer, I I think there's a sense among college football fans that that first year or two or three where it's still the program that they built before it becomes the program that his successor is building – you're kind of playing with house money and you don't actually learn anything until after that next wave of players comes in. And I I think Urban Meyer at Florida is a good example of that, even if the circumstances under which he left Florida are vastly different to the ones under which he left Ohio State. So is there a sense among Ohio State fans, among uh, folks in Columbus at large, that this season is because Urban Meyer built up such a great program that anyone could have stepped in and does the, done this? Or is the sense that Ryan Day has done, has kind of exceeded expectations and made this program his own already? I think this is kind of one of those cases where both can be true. Um, I think the reason why Ohio State is where it is uh, currently is, you know, arguably the best team in the country, honestly, historic levels of dominance so far. Um, The reason for that is the way that Urban Meyer and his staff recruited uh, in 2017 and 2018. I I think like I could have told you two years ago, two, three years ago that Ohio State would be in this level just because they had their two best recruiting classes of all time in 2017 and 2018. And those are the guys that are currently playing. Those are the guys that are currently dominating. And honestly, you added the highest rated quarterback prospect of all time on top of that, too. So that's the reason. Like, if you're looking for the reason why Ohio State is as dominant as it is right now, that's the reason. Um, But that doesn't mean that Ryan Day hasn't stepped in and done a great job other than that to the point where it doesn't seem sustainable. Um, Because at the end of the day, he still did make wholesale changes on the defensive side of the ball that... Urban Meyer didn't do last year and I don't know if he would have done during the offseason this year you know it's, it's hard to speculate what Urban Meyer would have done to fix that defense but the reality is that Ryan Day addressed it and Ohio State's defense is playing with a lot of the same players um, at a much much better level on a, on the defensive end um, and also Ryan Day was the one that was calling the offense before too so it's not like that's drastically different either um, you know he's he's able in my opinion honestly 
be a little more creative on the offensive side. Um, you know, when Urban Meyer was calling the shots, you never saw Ohio State go under center or go into uh, 12 or 21 personnel or anything like that. Um, but Ryan Day is not shy to do that. He's not shy to go under center. He's not shy to do different things in the red zone um, because it's his team. So I think in that sense, you've seen from a game plan and a coaching perspective um, that really the ship is still sailing and there's no real reason to think why um, why it would go awry. Uh, and I think the, the next piece of that puzzle is recruiting. And it'd be another thing if, you know, Ohio State lost all these commitments as soon as Urban Meyer was not the head coach anymore, but that's just not the reality. You know, um, since Ryan Day took over, it is looking like the, I mean, the, the 2020 class is um, honestly, arguably the best offensive recruiting class in that Ohio State's had in a long time and um, is a top five class nationally. And the 2021 class is going to be loaded as well, it's looking like. So he's already hitting hitting his strides in the recruiting area too. So I think it is merited that I don't think we can evaluate Ryan Day until it's his players. It's, you know, um, fully until maybe like two, three years down the line, because like I said, the reason why Ohio State is as good as it is, is because they're on the backs of that 2017 and 2018 recruiting class. However, with the way that Ryan Day stepped in, I don't think there's really that much concern that it's not going to be um, great. I don't know if we're going to see historic dominance um, the way that we're seeing this year, because that's kind of the standard that he's setting, which could be dangerous. But um, I don't think it's concerning that he's going to, you know, um, the team's just going to flat flatline as soon as uh, Urban Myers, the Urban Meyer recruited players are out of the system. Yeah, it's so fascinating because when you look down, up and down Ohio State's uh, starters on both sides of the ball, it is possible that next year the offense brings back – this probably won't end up happening. It's possible that the only returning starter on offense next year is Justin Fields and the only returning starter on defense next year is Tyreek Smith. So I, I, that's something that I really, really – one hope happens because I want Ohio State to fall off and I want Penn State to win some games, but it's also just so interesting to see how quickly we could get a look at Day's ability to build a program. And also, thank you very much for not twisting the knife when you mentioned Ohio State's offensive recruiting class, because that could have been very, very easy for you to do with one kid in particular. <laughs> thank, sincerely, thank you very much for not doing that. Uh, let's get into this season and looking at what Ohio State has managed to do this year, when did it become kind of obvious that this Ohio State team did did seem like it was going to get awfully close to its ceiling of being the best team in college football as you look through where they are uh, in this 10-0 start? Yeah, I'm trying to think of when it kind of hit me. Um, I, I think I started to think it personally after they blasted Cincinnati 42 to nothing. Because at that point, and I'm, I guarantee that's not when most people thought that, because it was an unranked Cincinnati team at home. Um, and I think I personally thought Cincinnati was a lot better than an unranked team. I, I thought that they were going to finish the team or the season at least in the top 25. And it's looking like that's a team that could potentially make it to a um, to a, a uh, New Year's Six Bowl at this point. So um, I think based on my personal evaluation of what I thought Cincinnati was and how good that team could be when Ohio state went out and blasted them 42 to nothing. That's when I was like, Oh, okay. Um, this might be, uh, 
they might be playing up to the level that I expected them to. And I think from then on, it's just been a, um, we joke about this all the time that it seems like there've been like four or five games where we're like, okay, this, this right here is the real test. Like Ohio State went to Nebraska on the road and we're like, this could be it. And then they blast Nebraska and we're like, okay, well that wasn't really it. Um, what about Michigan State? And then Michigan State comes, they blast Michigan State. They're like, okay, well, you've got a Friday night game. That could be a trap game in Northwestern. Then they blast North Northwestern. And then the same thing with Wisconsin. So I think kind of the the point when the nation started to take notice was around um, Wisconsin after they um, really came in and dominated Wisconsin in uh, kind of in favorable conditions even. So I think um, that was kind of the tipping point for the nation. But I think around that Cincinnati game, the way they, they came out and um, just outright dominated a team that I thought was a, at least a top 20, maybe a top 15 team in the country, um, was when I thought, okay, this could be um, a special year for them. And I, I think, honestly, the way that they've dominated teams that I think are pretty good um, with Indiana, with um, Cincinnati, with Wisconsin, um, you know, I, I think this is, it's kind of bordering on like, um, one of the most dominating Ohio State teams I've ever seen. And not, not just like, is this the number one team in the nation this year? It's like, I, I don't know if I've seen an Ohio State football team that's been this good. Yeah, our pal uh, Bill C. over at ESPN, best SP Plus rating since 2005. This Ohio State team is only behind uh, 2008 USC and 2013 Florida State with the caveat that this weekend has the potential for them to make a serious statement and pad those stats a little bit more. So let's get into this weekend. I, what is the general vibe going into a game against a team that I think you would agree in recent years has been Ohio, the single biggest thorn in Ohio State's side with the last three games being decided by a total of five points? Yeah, um, I think there's this time... It seemed like for Wisconsin, there was there was a lot more confidence heading into the game, um, and that was part of that was that Wisconsin lost the week before to Illinois. Um, but I, I think in this sense, there's there's an, a general understanding that even if this is uh, going to be the dominating game that I think a lot of Ohio State fans are expecting, um, that this is the most important game left on Ohio State's schedule. So there's there's a sense of like there's confidence, but it's like this better be right. You know, it, it, there's no room for error at this point because if Ohio State loses to Penn State, um, you know, uh, barring a miracle um, with Penn State slipping up to uh, Rutgers, Penn State's going to the Big Ten Championship. And so I think there's confidence because of what Ohio State's done this far, um, you know, and, and because of the way they've just annihilated teams that, you know, thought that they could hang with them. Um but there's also a little bit of like, this is a real one, you know, like we can't sleepwalk through this game. We we're ready for it, you know, and I, I think there's a lot of um, attention on this game. Uh, but that doesn't mean the confidence isn't there. I, I think most Ohio State fans expect a, um, you know, Ohio State to kind of keep, keep up that pace and keep up that dominance. Um, because really, Ryan Day and uh, company has shown no signs of allowing that to happen, uh, allowing a slip up. So far, you know, it's the closest thing that um, Ohio State's come to a, a lapse or a sleepwalking game is um, beating Rutgers by 35 instead of like 50. So <laughs> I, and like I, I, that, that's a joke, but like that's that's what it is. You know, I, they, there hasn't been a game that um, Ohio State's come out flat in. 
And so I think from that stance, there is there is a little bit of confidence that because I think most Ohio State fans would agree that Ohio State has the decided talent advantage in this matchup too. So if Ohio State comes out and executes the way that they've done all season, I, I think there's a healthy bit of confidence that Ohio State should win this game comfortably. I, I, I'm inclined to agree with those fans, but before we get into that side of things, let's look at Ohio State on both sides of the football. Starting on offense is something that you alluded to a little bit earlier. How has the offense now been a little bit different and as such a little bit more productive than it was under Urban Meyer, especially over the last year or two? Yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons. Um, I think the the key reasons is personnel. <laughs> I think Ohio State has um, arguably the best running back in the country. Um, you know, Justin Fields is one of the most efficient running backs in the country um, and a very strong receiving core, too. Um, so I, I think a lot of it is just simple personnel, but it's not like Ohio State's never had bad or good players before. I just think um, that coupled with Ryan Day's scheme uh, allows Ohio State to just kind of be as efficient as it possibly can. Um, you know, I, last year, Ohio State had a, a Heisman contender quarterback, um, you know, at, at, at top 15. I don't even remember exactly where he went in the draft, but a first round pick at quarterback. Um, who rewrote Ohio State's record book, and the offense is better this year despite not much changing. And I think the reality is that it just comes down to Justin Fields' legs. Um, I, I Ohio State fans didn't want to hear this when uh, Ohio State couldn't develop a running game last year with um, Dwayne Haskins at quarterback, but the reality is in the college game, it, it makes a huge difference to have a quarterback with, um, with strong uh, running ability. So that just has kind of opened things up for the offense as a whole. Um, it opens up the RPO game. It opens up the zone read game. Um, it allows teams to not just be able to sit back and play man coverage or to drop eight and rush three. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that it opens up to just have a quarterback that even if he isn't like, they're not handing him the ball 25 times a game, like JT Barrett, um, to have a, a guy that um, can create with his legs if he needs to. Um, and that's opened things up for J.K. Dobbins. It's opened things up for the entire offense as a whole. Um, and I think that has been what's changed everything because Ohio State was scoring a lot of points um, last year. But really, if you looked at how efficient they were in the red zone when you know the field gets condensed, it really was not good at all. They were not good in short yarded situations. They were not good in third and short. They were not good in fourth and short. They were not good in the red zone. And a lot of that came from Dwayne Haskins of total lack of ability to run the ball. Um, you know, so I, I think that has been fixed and that is the primary difference is that Justin Fields is not, not drastically a worse passer than Dwayne Haskins was, but a far, far, far better runner. Um, and so I think that more than anything else has changed, uh, Ohio state's offense, because I think he is the best combination of, um, running and throwing that Ohio state's had, maybe ever, you know, I, I, I think, uh, he's honestly, we, we joked before the season started that he was uh, a hilarious combination of like Braxton Miller, JT Barrett and Dwayne Haskins. And, um, that's kind of looking like it's the truth with, uh, how he's been performing so far. Yeah. We've seen that with Ohio state leading the big 10 by a comfortable margin in rushing offense. And they are only behind the service academies in terms of rushing 
uh, offense nationally. The thing that I wanted to ask, though, is this is the best rushing defense that Ohio State has gone up against. Penn State, for its struggles stopping teams from throwing the ball deep, has been fantastic at stopping teams from run the, running the ball. Is there a sense that they're just going to keep on keeping on and they're going to be able to get yards on the ground against Penn State or is the belief that, you know, this is going to be a little more difficult than usual. They're going to put this game on Justin Fields' right arm and that uh, collection of wide receiving talent that they have instead. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if there's that much concern. I mean, there, there's a sense of concern in that this is, the you know, the, the best team that, the best rush defense that Ohio State's faced. But um, I don't think there's a ton of concern about what that really means because, Ohio State fans have heard that so many times in so many games throughout the years that like, oh, be careful, this is the best rush defense, and it really hasn't meant much. Um, you know, even as Ohio State's playing Wisconsin and um, this year, earlier this year, even teams like Michigan State or Northwestern who have legitimately good defenses, it, it just hasn't really mattered. And that's not to take away from Penn State because um, this legitimately is the best rush defense, at least, that Ohio State's played this year. But um, I, I just... I know Ohio State fans get tired of hearing about how good the other defense is that they're playing because um, the uh, the um, uh, the the opponents are I don't know it, just historically when that's happened it, it hasn't really mattered. Um, I think the the primest example of that is Ohio State's fifty nine to nothing win against uh, Wisconsin in the twenty fourteen uh, Big Ten title game. So I, I think on the on Ohio State's end from the Ohio State fan pulse perspective. Um, they don't really expect that to matter a whole bunch. Um, but I think the, the focus is, I don't think Ohio State or Ohio State fans are necessarily coming in and expecting um, to, uh, to run it down their throats. I think most of the concern and most of the confidence there for Ohio State fans is uh, through the air um, after what Penn State's really allowed to happen against Minnesota and Indiana in back-to-back weeks. So, um, I think that's where the confidence comes from, and I think they just kind of expect to run the ball, but I don't think they expect to dominate this game through the ground. Um, I think they expect most of the uh, production to come through the air. Is that a bit of a departure for Ohio State, or is has it just been, listen, whatever you guys want to give us, we're going to be able to do? Basically, how confident uh, should Ohio State fans be that between what they have talent-wise and what they've been able to do and what we've seen out of Penn State these last couple of weeks, Justin Fields has the potential to just have this monster game through the air. Yeah, I mean, it's Justin Fields' stats are hilarious because um, he's put up these insane numbers, especially efficient-wise, but he only has one game of over 300 passing yards, but that's only because he's never played four quarters of football. Um, you know, I, I think he, the furthest he's gone is like, the late third quarter. Maybe he's played one drive into the fourth quarter against like Wisconsin or something, but like he's never played four meaningful quarters of, of football um, that mattered. Um, and so I think in that sense, we haven't really seen him need to lead the team through the air, but on the other side, when he's been in, it's been good. Um, it's been good for uh, uh, Ohio state it, when, when he's needed to do it. It just hasn't really been in, meaningful situations. So I think in that sense, like Ohio state fans are fine. If, if you were to tell an Ohio state fan um, before the game, like Ohio state is going to have to win this game through the air because Penn state's going to shut down the run. I think most Ohio state fans would be like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. You know, like we've got 
a healthy core of wide receivers and um, the best quarterback in the Big Ten. So we're, we're cool with that. So And I, I don't think that's um, necessarily different than what they've seen in the past. I mean, that's how Ohio State won every game last year. So um, I, I don't think they're not capable of doing it. And I don't think Justin Fields has shown that um, he's going to have a problem uh, moving the ball through the air. So I, I think this Ohio State team is built to win in a lot of different ways. And if it happens to be through the air, then that's fine, you know. Um, I, I don't think J.K. Dobbins would be really happy about that but because um, he wants to get his in, against Penn State and um, kind of assert his dominance a little bit, uh, especially make a statement against the number one um, rush defense in the or, uh, number one rush defense in the country. Um, but I don't think that it would be a problem if Ohio State has to do most of their damage through the air. So who are the players that you expect to, you, you know, once that final whistle blows, on Saturday, who are the players that you think are going to have the big game on Ohio State's offense? And if there are areas, if there is an area that Penn State could exploit and Penn State could potentially get the upper hand, where do you think that would be? Yeah, I think um, the big, obviously, the, the obvious answer for me is Justin Fields. Um, I think we look at the way that this game is going to be played with the, how good Penn State is in, uh, in terms of rush defense. I don't think Ohio State's going to have a good game on the ground without Justin Fields having a threat to run as well. Um, I think the only way that they're able to open up that running game is for him to uh, kind of show off a little bit with his legs, even if he's not even if he's not necessarily um, uh, doing a whole ton. Um, just his threat's going to open things up. Plus, with how good uh, Penn State's been defending the run, that's obviously going to make him um, make Ohio State more inclined to um, really throw deep uh, and throw often. Um, so I, I think if there's one guy who's I'm looking to have a big game, um, it would probably be Ohio State on that side, or ju- sorry, Justin Fields on that side of the ball. Um, and as far as ways that Penn State can really get at Ohio State, um, you know, this is a really complete Ohio State team. And I think by and large, the offensive line is really good. But there has been, um, you know, some, some, shaky moments you know I, I think the the biggest criticism about Ohio State this year has been that Justin Fields has taken too many sacks um, and so especially in a game where I think that he's going to drop back and pass a lot uh, given what Penn State's shown is a is a rush defense um, I think Penn State can get to Justin Fields a little bit and maybe force him to hold the ball a little too long um, and uh, really kind of expose some of those areas on the offensive line because at the end of the day um you know, this is this is a, a talented offensive line, but there are um, two guys on it making their first. This is their first season as a starter, um, and and there have been some guys that have had isolated games where they've seemed to have issues. So um, I think if Penn State's going to give Ohio State trouble, it's going to be on that offensive line, uh, either um, really ma- making a, a, a um, on the really on the pass rushing side is what I'm getting at. I, I think Ohio State, this offensive line is particularly good as a, um, as a uh, um, pass blocking offensive line. So I, I think that's a matchup that I'm really excited to watch is how Ohio State's offensive line has really owned the point of attack in terms of uh, um, run blocking, whereas Penn State is obviously an elite, elite run defense. I, I just heard every Penn State fan let out a big like sigh in agony over what we've seen out of uh, the, the Nittany Lion pass rush in big games and how it just hasn't been able to get home. So that's fun. And what, the thing that I love about this conversation, 
is that for how good Ohio State's offense has been, its defense has been better. It is fourth in offensive SP+, first in defensive SP+. It leads the Big Ten in passing and points per I mean, passing yards allowed and points per game. Second to only Penn State in rushing yards allowed per game in the Big Ten. And all of this is happening despite the fact that in the last couple of games it hasn't had its best player in Chase Young. You've mentioned how this Ohio State defense has gotten less porous over the course of the season. How does it change when Chase Young is in it? What is his ability like to take it to another level? Yeah, I think it's the difference in a couple seconds. <laughs> you know, in, in a in a um, passing situation, Ohio State's been extremely stingy through the air, and um, I think a lot of that is due to uh, the talented corners. I think Ohio State has three guys that are going to be playing in the NFL. Um, it, maybe next year, um, maybe one of them will uh, will come back, um, but th- those are still conversations to have with uh, Jeff Okuda, um, Damon Arnett and Sean Wade. I think all of those guys are NFL corners. Um, I think Jordan Fuller is a NFL safety and has been kind of the quiet hero there. But um, really, it all starts up front, and I think all the coaches will tell you that too. Um, it's when the when the secondary is as talented as it is already. It's impossible when you've got a guy like Chase Young that um, you know is fighting through double and triple teams like they're nothing to get pressure on the quarterback. And even if he's not getting there. He's forcing a quick throw on a already extremely talented secondary. Um, and so I, I think really um, it all starts up front for Ohio State. Uh, that's that's so cliche to say. But when you've got a player of the caliber of Chase Young where he's got 13 and a half sacks through eight games, um, that's, that's the truth. Um, and the thing with Ohio State that they've been doing is, um, especially against Wisconsin was the last game that he played, they were getting really creative with how they used him. Um, they're flipping sides of the field. Uh, they're moving him in different uh, gaps. And they even played him at middle linebacker um, in third down situations. And uh, that, that, was, that was one of my favorite things that I saw was uh, um, they, it, was in a, it was in a third and six or something like that. And uh, Wisconsin took one look at him in the middle of the field and said, nope, and called timeout and walked to the sideline. Um, I, I think there's just a lot of ways that Ohio State has been able to um, put him in different positions and he's executed. You know, the, they came right back out and Chase Young was still at uh, Mike Linebacker and they ran the play and Chase Young had a tackle for a loss. So I think it's just like he's that dominant that you have to know where he is on every um, on every snap and uh, he you, you have to design your offense around him. And that's terrifying when there's one player that's that good and the rest of the defense also is great. So um, I, I think it's hard to quantify how much he means to the uh, to the um, to the team, but like even if you are just going by traditional stats, he was on pace to um, through eight games. He was on pace to come close to breaking the NCAA record for sacks in a single season, even with all this attention and even with only playing like a half of football. Um, you know, you can see the charts of like actual snaps versus production, and his is just insane compared to. Uh, um, other players who've really ever played. So um, he's, he is that good. Um, he is every bit as good as uh, people think that he is. Um, he is every bit as good as the hype. Um, yeah, I, I don't have enough things to say about how dominating um, and good Chase Young has been this season. Well, that seems terrifying. Uh, let's look at this Ohio State defense. I, I think you just spend way too much time talking about good things about this Ohio State defense. So let's talk about 
where, if anywhere, Penn State can attack it, especially with the caveat that there's no guarantee that K.J. Hamler is going to be in this game due to a, an undisclosed injury that he suffered during the first half against Indiana this past week. Yeah, I, I think it's the middle of the field. Um, it's that RPO game still. Um, and I, I think that's really how you attack any, any team in, in college football. Um, but uh, Ohio State has had um, its issues in the past. And, you know, even, even um, uh, this year a little bit, um, really kind of at- attacking that middle of the field and those linebackers. Um, by and large, they've been really good. I, I think Malik Harrison is going to be a-, a second or a third to first round pick um, this year at linebacker. And um, but you know there there have been guys that are uh, that have been exposed, particularly last year. Um, right now, Ohio State is really leaning heavily on Tough Borland, and he really just doesn't have the sort of speed that you'd expect of a. Ohio State starting linebacker, um, and if you can get him chasing in a situation, um, you know it, there there is room for big plays. I, I don't think Ohio State's been given up a lot of big plays, but when they do, when a play does get busted, it it does go for decent chunks of yardage. Um, so I, I think if Penn State can kind of stay on schedule and avoid um, disaster uh, from the uh, negative yardage plays, um, they can move the ball, especially if they are forcing those linebackers to uh, make plays in space. Um, you know, I, I think another thing that the way Ohio State's bef- defense is built is um, a big play can can break through. Um, it can. Uh, I, I think the way Ohio State uses its safeties, especially uh, Jordan Fuller, he really is sort of a, a last line of defense in a, in a screen pass or a um, uh, crossing route or anything like that. And... Um, if you're able to beat him, which hasn't proven easy this year, he's um, one of the most efficient tackles tacklers in the country. Um, but if you're able to get past him, really the way the scheme's set up, it's home free. It's just the problem uh, that teams have faced is they just don't have the time. They don't have time for things to develop. They don't have time for plays to develop um, because Ohio State's pass rush has just been that good. Um, but, you know, Penn State is a different animal. They do have different playmakers. And if they are able to get the ball to their playmakers in space, um, this is the best team that Ohio State's played this year. So um, I do expect that Penn State's going to be able to do something. I don't think Ohio State's going to shut them out in this game, but um, uh, I think it's going to be, you know, kind of those um, those give the ball to the playmaker in space sort of plays. I just don't think as much as Penn State has talent um, on the uh, outside, I, I don't think the, the game plan, the, a successful game plan here would involve just dropping back passing and... Um, uh, trying to uh, buy time and get receivers down the field. I think Ohio, or if Penn State's going to have success here, it's going to be getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly and making those linebackers and uh, defensive backs make tackles. So I think when we get into predictions, it sounds like you basically think, and I'm inclined to agree with you, that Ohio, for Ohio State to win this game, they have to get off the bus. Uh, for Penn State to win this game, and I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here, if Penn State were to win this game, what things would they have to do and what kind of uh, series of events would have to be put together for them to be able to have a better score than Ohio State over the course of a 60-minute football game? Oh, it's going to take um it's going to take it, it's going to take havoc plays, really. Um it's going to take turnovers, it's going to force it's going to take Ohio State making mistakes. It's going to take um you know, Penn State making big plays um in you know, kind of those hidden areas. Like 
a punt return or a punt block or a blocked field goal or something, which isn't out of the question. You know, I think two of the past three games, one of these teams has blocked a kick. So um, I think we're that's how Penn, if there's a roadmap for Penn State to get in it, it's um, forcing turnovers, forcing chaos and taking advantage of it. Uh, I think teams have done that to Ohio State. Ohio State has turned the ball over. Um, it's just that both sides, the defense usually is um, capable of stopping them after that point, too. So um, I, I think the key is going to be forcing turnovers, forcing those chaos plays and taking advantage of it. Because I, at the end of the day, this is still a first year starter at quarterback who hasn't played four quarters as good as he's been. Um, he's been poised, but he also hasn't been tested in the same way, um, in a way that you would that you would want a uh um, quarterback to be kind of battle tested at this point. You know, he's not um, he's not been the guy that's had to go back and lead a game winning drive. He's not been the guy that's had to respond from a deficit or anything like that. So I think um, if you can get Ohio State to face adversity and uh, take advantage of Ohio State mistakes when they happen, um, that's kind of Penn State's roadmap. I don't think they can. I don't think at all they can just line up and play a clean football game on both sides of the game and beat Ohio state that that's just not going to happen because Penn state um, is outmatched from a talent standpoint, as much as Penn state fans might not want to hear that. Um, the key is going to be creating those, uh, those kind of havoc plays and those chaos plays and taking advantage of them. Um, and I, I don't think that's necessarily out of the question. Um, I just think that's a, that's a tall task for Penn state. And I am again, inclined to agree with all of this, uh, let's get in prediction. What do you think is going to happen in this one? And there's kind of a bonus question off of that. How much do you think the last couple of years, if Ohio State is as good as I think everyone thinks they are, how much will the last couple of years of these games coming down to the wire and people thinking that Penn State uh you know, Ohio State might have gotten lucky to survive Ohio State. How much of that will inspire them to really really go all out and leave no stone unturned in this one? Yeah, I think that's there's definitely an element to that. Um, I think I would even buy that a little more had Penn State won these past two games. I mean, obviously they won in uh, 2016, and that's still in the taste of some of these guys' melts. But had they won one of these past two, um, I think that would be... Um, that there would definitely be a revenge factor of a, hey, we can't get caught up. But really, the Ohio State coaching staff has been talking um, this entire season about, uh, look, like all of as good as we've been, as good as we've been, all of this can be erased with one loss. And I think that's what you saw with Ohio State against Iowa um, two years ago. That's what you saw against with Ohio State against Purdue uh, last year. And I think in a broader sense, that's what Ohio State's avoiding. I don't know if it's specific to Penn State and what happened to Penn State last year. Um, I'm sure that's in their mouth a little bit. Um, you know, Ryan Day, I, I, we just found a video of how excited he was after beating Penn State last year, and um, he talked about how he went and asked Urban Meyer, like, did that just happen, like, after that comeback against Penn State? So he, he is definitely excited, and he definitely, um, I think people, a lot of people forget that he's been with this team for two years, so he um, kind of has that taste in his mouth already. He knows how these games can go. So I, I do buy that to a point, but I think, in a larger sense, Ohio State just wants to comfortably win all of these games so that they don't have to um, really worry about that anxiety of um, of uh, an Iowa or a, or a Purdue or anything like that. Um, 
or uh, really even a Maryland or something like that. They they just want to come out and dominate these games um, because of the way that they've slipped up in the past. And I don't necessarily mean that specific to Penn State. Um, and as for a prediction, I, I, I think we're talking a lot about how good Ohio State is in this game, but um, really that's it. It, it. It's that Ohio State's really good. I don't think that Penn State's a bad football team. I think Penn State's probably the second best team in the Big Ten. Um, I think it's a top 10 football team. Um, I just think we're kind of reaching the level where this is like historic uh, dominance from Ohio State. You know, I, I think if Ohio State continues this at the end of the year, we're talking about whether or not this is one of the best football teams of all time, college football teams of all time, not just is this the best team in the Big Ten or is this the big, best team in the country? And I think that's why you've got like an 18 point spread and it's that big because Ohio State has just been that dominant. I, I don't think that takes anything away from Penn State. Um, you know, and uh, you mentioned the last two games. I, I think last year I was really, um, I thought Penn State was probably the better team last year. Um, and so I think that one um, was a little more remarkable, that comeback was. I thought in 2017, um, Ohio State was kind of decidedly the better team and Penn State just got up on them early for a couple things. Uh, Saquon Barkley uh, touchdown to the house, um, some mistakes, uh, an interception in the red zone, you know, little, little things like that. Um, but I think in this case, Ohio State is the better team. Um, if Penn State can create some chaos early, um, it could be close um, and Ohio State might have to pull it out at the end. I don't really see a world where Ohio State really loses this game but i could see ohio state coming out and winning in like the 35 to 17 range um i, I think they're going to end up pulling away in the second half um when that talent disparity is going to start to show that's so interesting because when i had you on for this pod last year you mentioned i mentioned that i thought it could be a high scoring game and i vividly remember you saying that uh you didn't think that you thought that both coaches we're, was, we're going to play this really close to the chest, especially Urban Meyer, because he's just had that uh, he, he's had that reputation in big games over the year. It sounds to me like you don't necessarily think that Ryan Day is going to think that. Is that a fair guess? No, 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 no. no. I, I think um, I think Ryan Day is going to want to come out with fireworks. I think uh, um, really the the team is going to is going to want to come out with fireworks. I think there hasn't really been a game this year when Ohio State scored um, has been a uh, it's been a close game through um the, through the half you know that ohio state hasn't put up points through the half so um I, yeah I, I don't think i don't think ryan day has any interest in playing a um close game or playing a ball control game i think he wants to score i think he wants to get the ball back i think he wants to score again um so i i, I think that's just kind of what you get from an offensive coordinator and offensive minded head coach yeah that makes sense and I, I really think that a lot of Penn State fans, despite the fact that there is a, well, it, it seems like you don't necessarily like their chances. I think a lot of Penn State fans are going to really appreciate getting this view into Ohio State from your side of things. Kevin, let people know where uh, where they could find you if they're interested in reading your work or telling you why they think you're wrong about all this. Oh, yes, of course. Um, I am at 11warriors.com is where I do all the, the online words and you can find my tweets at uh, Twitter on at Kevin ish. So um, yeah, be sure to tell me why I'm wrong. Um, be sure to uh, if, when Penn state pulls the upset to uh, fill my mentions with slander. So um, we'll, we'll see. It's, it's all in good fun. Well, as your uh, bio says, send complaint. And this is for everyone. Send complaints to DJ at <laughs> warriors dot 
Com. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us and giving us this look at the Buckeyes, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. As you all know, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast, uh, heading on to Spotify, subscribing there. That helps us get a little bit more attention, heading on to iTunes, subscribing there, leaving us a five-star review, reading and supporting the site, buying some t-shirts, following us on social media, all that stuff. One last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Aurora Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.